This episode of the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Team Link of Hooksit, New Hampshire. That's 1338 Hooksit Road in Hooksit. And their phone number is 603-641-3444. They specialize in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, um, and they are, they were started, uh, Team Link was started under the tutelage of great UFC heavyweight Gabriel Gonzaga. Uh, if you mention that you heard about uh, Team Link Hooks It on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you 30 days free of classes and also will give you a free t-shirt. Again, 30 days free of classes and a free t-shirt if you mention the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast when you go to or call Team Link in Hooksit. We are also brought to you by Pizza 911, voted best pizza in Manchester by the Hippo Press. Uh, they've got all kinds of stuff as well as pizza. They have gluten-free pizza. They've got subs, salads, breadsticks, cine sticks, uh, all kinds of fried whatnot. Um, and they have great food there. If you mentioned that you heard about uh, Pizza 911 on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. They will give you free breadsticks. And their phone number, if you want some delivery, is 625-2201. That's in the 603 area code. 603-625-2201. He's Nicholas, and he's ridiculous. It's the Ridiculous Nicholas Show! All right, I think this is it. We're going. This is it. No, good. All right, this is, uh, hello everybody. This is Nick David, the Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast. Sorry. That's a catchy name. Sorry, I don't know. No, you got it. What happened? They'll remember it. (laughs) I don't know what episode this is. I think it's, uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ, I don't know. Episode nine? I'm going to go with nine. All right. I'm going to say it's nine, but it might be 12, and it might be seven. All right, but it's not in the hundreds. No, it's pretty. It's a fairly new one. Good night. Thanks. Good night, folks. Thank you. So this is the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. I am here with legendary Boston comedian Tony V. Very excited. He just, just I am a legend. He just murdered it here at the Tupelo in Londonderry. Great venue. And uh, we're hanging out on the porch, having a cigar, yeah. watching the people leave, and having a chit chat. Talking to drunks, that's which is what we do. It's never... <laughs> that's that's more of the jobs than yeah. on the stage. That's, that's right. what they pay you for. Right. The stage is free. Right. They pay you to talk to drunks. Right. That's, that's what it is. Right. That's what <laughs> it, you're babysitting drunks. That's right, what we say. As, as musicians, we say, uh, I play music for free. You pay me to haul equipment and set up. You pay me to haul, set up drums and haul PA system right. around. Stuff you don't want to That's do. right. That's what I get paid for. I play the music for because right. I love it. We had a guy uh, not uh, minutes ago give us a whole dissertation on why you should drink beer. With your lobster, because it cuts all the fat and stuff right out of it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't, you were saying that you're not a doctor, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was a doctor. <laughs> I'm pretty been. sure that dude was a doctor for sure. Uh, he might have been a little inebriated. He should inebriated. be giving advice to people. He, he, would, me he had enough wherewithal to leave when we brought out the tape recorder. Yeah, so he, he, didn't, I, he didn't want to document it. I think he didn't want to document it. I don't think it was that he had enough wherewithal to not be interruptive. Or, I think it was just that he was like, I don't want anyone to hear this shit. I have a. He just maybe he's afraid of electronics. Like he thinks he's gonna. Oh, the guy on uh, on the guy on Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> doing a Better Call Saul where yeah. he, he has all the electronic stuff outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how they track you, you know. Yeah. They can find out where you are. If you have right. But, you a... know, if it were a movie, you know, we'd be sitting on this porch and we'd be surrounded by, you know, like 25-year-old cheerleaders and, you know, Celtics dancers. Well, that's early. Right. right. The night's young. Yeah, right. Yeah. But instead, you think everyone's all... leaving, but it's just the second yeah, shift is coming right, in. Right. And it's instead, all, it's all cheerleaders. Drunk guys who want to give us their philosophy <laughs> on life. Right. Yeah, that's exactly why it came out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a di- it's probably a different uh the a different hanger on than it was forty years 40 ago years. in, in it comedy. Was, it I'm was sure it was different. A, I'm it sure was, it was a, a different crew of people was, back then there, there in the heyday. There was a time. <laughs> but we also would not be sitting on the porch smoking cigars, would be in some dingy back room ruining our lives. That's right, it. right. So it, it, it's an even it's a it's a trade. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I, that show was great, man. I, I really, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen a, a lot of clips of you online. It was the first time that I got to see you live, and I was very excited about it. And you did not disappoint at all. Oh, that was you. a, that was a fun, fun show. That, that would, it was nice. The whole show was great. I mean, we, we had uh, guys been doing it a couple of three years, and he, he, he just set a nice table. And then uh, Jim, uh, and then the Steve Scarfo took yeah, us in yeah. there, and he did a nice, nice job. I'm always, uh, uh, you know, the thing. You know, I've been at this uh, 35 years, and you know, the that's thing nuts. Is, yeah, Can I just say that that's nuts. It's the, it, no one thinks it's crazier than me. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, every day I wait for it to end. You know, I mean, for 30 of those years. When I was know, it? Let me ask you this: When was the last day job you had? The last day job I actually had it was uh, to get stage time. I worked in the office at the Comedy Connection when it was back on Warrington Street, the original Boston room. See, I didn't even know that. I've only known it at Faneuil Hall. Right. Before that, it was at a couple of different places. Uh, it started on Warrington Street. That's how long I've been doing it, because I only know it at Faneuil Hall. Faneuil Hall. And now Faneuil Hall's been closed for 10 years. You're right. Right, you know. But the lineage is, it started uh, on Warrington Street, where the Blue Man Group is now. Oh, in okay. In Boston. They had a, a, a... I thought that was on... Not Charles... I thought that was on... Uh, it's Warrington. Uh, I think it's called Blue Man Place now or something. But it's in the... Uh, the one right, right, like two doors down from yeah, Nick's. Yeah, it's the Charles... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's at the other end of the street from Nick's. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it was the, uh, the Charles Theater. Right. It was a theater. Right, right. And that's where the Blue Man Group is. And they had a lounge. And that's where the comedy started in Boston. Uh, they got kicked out of there for a little bit. They had some dispute and went to a place called Tommy Mars. And then they were went immediately back there when they knew what they had lost. Um, and uh, it was a small room. Somebody, I was just out in Nebraska doing, I did the Great American Comedy Festival that Eddie Bro runs. We had a ball and a guy came up to me and he has a picture that doesn't exist anymore of the facade of the, of the old Comedy Connection, the original room. Oh, cool. A perfectly framed picture with like a, you know, it's got like an eight, an 82 uh, Beamer out front. The, you know, the square looking. Yeah, yeah. Beamers are sweet, you know. And the guy gave it to me. Uh, oh, cool. The picture doesn't exist. You, you couldn't take that picture now if you had it. Wow, yeah, so cool. Did, did you have to ship it home to yourself? Yeah, he shipped it to me. I, I had met the guy a couple of times. I guess he had done. Uh, this, this happens more to me in my life than should. But I'll meet somebody in some obscure place, and it'll go, you know, I was in Boston. I did 
like three open mic nights, you were the host, and you were very kind to me, you know, and so, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have this picture I thought you might enjoy, and this guy's, you know, hung on to it for years. Just oh, cool. Ah, oh, that's a great story. Yeah, it was great, and he, he had it, you know, I signed one for him, and then he, get, he, sh- he sent me the other one, and I got it hanging up on the wall now. So that was the, but that place was That's the, the that first was, place I ever did stand-up comedy, yeah. But where was, what was your last day job? Oh, my last day job, I worked in the office for them. Yeah, and uh, when, how long ago phones, was that? And that was, that was early 80s, 82, 82, 83, something like that. That's fucking beautiful. So that was 30 phone. years ago. 30 years 30 ago. 30 years ago, you, yeah. you haven't had a day job in 30 years, can we get a fucking years. high five? Yes, all right. can. As a, as a, all right, high five. Yeah. That is yeah. so fucking great. Yeah, and, and like I said, it, yeah, it's been great. And every time, you know, you go through peaks and valleys like anything else. There's slow times and stuff. And, you know, it, it, I became more aware of it when I started having kids. But, you know, you'd go, well, you know, maybe I should get a little something, you know, to bolster my comedy. And my wife, who's been along with me for the whole ride, she'd go, you know, if you put more energy into getting work doing comedy... You know, you wouldn't need to get a part-time yeah, job. Yeah. And that would kick me in the ass to, you know, make phone calls and travel a little bit, you know, more than I wanted to. But, you know, it kept you going. And it's been, I I started in 81, 82, like that spring, was my first open mic. And I was, before that, I was... Uh, um, so, you, so you were only like a year or two into doing comedy before you went, this is all I'm fucking doing. This is doing. all I'm going to do. That's and, great. And I was, you know, I... Uh, when I first started, when I was doing open mics and whatever, I worked for a place. I, I was, I'm a social worker by school. You know, I graduated uh, with a, you know, BA in psychology and sociology. And then I was going to, for my MSW when this whole thing started. And it was, I would go to these shows because I, I always loved comedy. I mean, from when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, the first album I ever li- listened to was uh, Bill Co- a Bill Cosby album. Yeah, yeah. You know, and my uh, Liber Bundy Floby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah with Fat Albert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Merry Go Round. Yeah, that was yeah, one of the first comedy chicken, records chicken I had. Heart, yeah, chicken Heart. Yeah, Chicken Cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, the only time I ever heard him cuss. Gotcha. And he said, said uh, something. Well, rather than a joke, or something. Uh, Cocaine. He was trying to. Somebody was trying to explain him why cocaine okay. cocaine enhances your personality. Right, right. He said, "Well, what if you're an asshole?" <laughs> that might be the only yeah. time he ever. I think that's the only. Stage. That's the only right. one I ever heard. Right. And, until recently, I'm sure yeah. there was a lot of swearing in the Cosby household. Yeah. Recently. That's such a bummer, man. Yeah, that's I such know. a bummer. One of those guys is just a. I know a, someone you idolize. You know what I mean? And and he's just going. Ah. It's just, you know, I hate to, you hate to try the guy before he gets a trial, but it's pretty fucking damning. It's pretty damning. There's like, the people, the women just keep coming. There's like 50 of them at this point. So it's like, you have to go, there's gotta be something. Yeah. There's gotta be some kind of. They all didn't get together and go, let's get Bill Cosby. Right. 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 Because you start, when you hear about something like that, my first inclination is just to go, yeah, somebody's yeah. trying to make a buck. Bob, somebody's trying right. to make a name. Right. Somebody's trying to get on TMZ right, or right. some other fucking bullshit yeah. TV yeah. show. They're trying to they're trying to get out there and get their name. But then then they just keep coming, and it's like there's not like a coalition. There's not like some support group, like some <laughs> meeting group of how to get rich off right. famous people. Right. You know. Right. But uh, it's funny. There's uh, I I think it's Vanity Fair has the cover now with the 
35 women so far have accused him on the cover. Like a picture, like Wait, pictures they, of all the women? All the women sitting in chairs, like on the cover. That's uh, bizarre. And, you know, there's an empty chair to symbolize whatever, blah, blah, blah. And one of the women... <laughs> an empty chair to symbolize the other 150 uh, women that it happened to? It might come out, <laughs> just in case. We left, we left the seat for you, if you wanted to jump in. Um, uh, but it was funny, somebody, one of the women made the, the comment of like, you know, we've been saying this for years, and it took one guy to say it on stage, and then it became a thing. You know, it was Hannibal Burris. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who, who, you know, called them out on stage. That's right, that's he, right. He called them a rapist, and, and, you know, the rest is, you know, it, it went from there. So. That's, yeah, that's true, man. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of that. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. You know? Because that, that whole shit happened, you know, however many years ago, yeah. and it got squashed, and yeah. they settled out of out of well, right. whatever, however they, right. they kind of silenced yeah. it all, but, huh, wow. Right. Maybe go hang out with Tiger Woods. They could straighten it all out. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Um, so, and, yeah, so, and, and so I was a social worker. I, I was going to shows, and then literally one night the MC didn't show up, and I'd been hanging around so much. They asked me to just go up on stage, and what uh, did you, what did you think when they asked you to do that? I said, "Well, I don't know anything." They go, "We don't need you to be funny; just introduce the other acts," you know. And uh, I said, "Okay," and you know, I went up and said hello to the people, "Welcome to the Comedy Connection. Here's your first comedian." And I I got sort of hooked, and then the next week, did I you say down. any? Did you tell any? Did you do any? Material? I think did I you had try to do some, anything? Yeah, I mean, I knew. I mean, I knew somewhere. Did you like a street joke or something? Or something. It, 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 I, it, you know, I'm sure it was some some stolen, you know, joke that I had heard on an album years ago, right, right, or something like that. And then, you know, uh, back then it was so, uh, it, you know, it was it was such a you know a tight knit group. They go, you know, if you write your own stuff, we'll give you five minutes. And then I did it, and I I remember doing my first five minutes, and it went terribly, of course. And I just in my head I said, you know, if I bump into any of these hundred people that saw that. I don't want them this to be their only thought of me. So I worked and I worked. That was your catalyst. I, wow, yeah, that's great. And, and then I would go. And then what I did was when I started working for the Comedy Connection, they gave me, they wanted to take a night off because it was so, they were running seven nights a week. So they gave me Tuesday nights. And I would book the, I would book the, it was an open mic. It was a showcase night. And uh, I would run the room. And uh, MC the show, and that's how I got my start. And then, you know, the other guys would come in, like uh, Barry Crimmins and and Stephen Wright at the time. And uh, I was friends with Dennis Leary, and you know, they were, were they uh, were they open micers at the time? At the time, yeah. <laughs> Barry ran a room. Goldthwait, first his first night in Boston, uh, he had been doing stand up in upstate New York on some level, and his first night in Boston was my very first night on stage. You know, trying to act. Bobcat's first night in Boston, in Boston was, was your first, first night. night that was the night where they went, when, hey. hey, will you MC? And, so <laughs> and was, he, did, was he doing the character? Was no, he doing the. No, uh, no. The, it, it, he was a little nervous and it came out that way a little bit, but that wasn't his persona at the time. That, oh, okay. that evolved over. Uh, I was obsessed with him when I was a kid. I was obsessed with that we guy. Remained, when I was yeah. when I was a little kid, he, yeah. there was nobody. I mean, when I was twelve years old, to me, there was nothing funnier than watching him just 
freak out. Oh my god! And act, you know, just it was so just different. that just that whole that whole persona yeah. <laughs> cracked well, me up. Well, yeah. And I had no, I had no, there was no. I just thought that was who the dude was. Right, At Twelve right. years old, you just think there's a guy, right. and that's what that's he is. Right, right. That's how he functions. He functions right. on that level. Well, and. You know, you don't, you never, never think like he's put in so many years of work to get to, to that, get that to, right. to, to get that level of weirdness to be palatable for the masses. Right. It was, you know? it was very well thought out and very calculated yeah, yeah. the way he did it. I mean, it came from his nervousness. But years later, and we've remained good friends this whole time. Like, I talk to him probably, you know, twice a week, you know, whatever he's doing, and he's put me in his films and, and whatever, uh, which I'm truly grateful for. And, and, you know, people, you know, would go, is he like that all the time? I think that was the name of one yeah, of his yeah. albums. because. He, oh, he, really? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'd go, no, he's not like that all the time. I'd punch him in the face if he was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so it, it's funny what people's perception of it. Does he, does he, he doesn't do that on stage anymore, no, right? No, he dropped the persona completely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Because I've seen little, I haven't seen any, like, a full thing, but I've just seen little bits of yeah. him where he's just talking in a normal. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he thinks of himself more, I mean, he still does some dates, but he thinks of, I mean, he, he does his own movies now. You know, he's had a string of indie hits. And oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he did the one I did with uh, Robin Williams called The World's Greatest Dad. Uh, we did that about five or six years ago. And oh, I didn't he, see that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, so he does this, and he's now got out a documentary on Barry Crimmins. Oh, Mr. Lucky. Uh, Call Me Lucky. Call Me Lucky, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about Barry's work as, a, you know, starting rooms here in Boston, the Ding Ho, and then stitches. Yeah, is and that? I keep seeing. Uh, I keep seeing that advertised. Is that available? Is that? Can it's out. See that I mean, now? It, I I know it's still making the festival rounds. I, you know, I know it's going to have a short theatrical release because there's some Oscar talk about it. I mean, oh, cool. You know, more than just like a, a rumor. Like it, whether it does or not, I don't know. It's certainly worthy of it. You know, yeah. and it's and it's it's complete gold weight. It's hysterically funny. And it's gut wrenching at this, you know. And it's all, it's time. all, it's a documentary. It's a documentary, right? yeah. yeah. yeah Are you in that at all? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, all the guys from Boston and stuff. But then it goes into Barry's uh, uh, work with, um, uh, he, he's a survivor of uh, child abuse. And, and he had all this pent up anger, and it wasn't until, you know, he was an adult that it came out that, you know, he remember he had these, this memory of, you know, being raped as a child, and uh, he worked through it. And then he spoke in front of Congress and was very instrumental. Really? Yeah. And, and Barry Crimmins? Barry Crimmins, Oh, yeah. shit. And oh, very instrumental. And that's, this is in the movie. This is all in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking out of school here. This is, you know, you'll see it in the movie, uh, and it's his empowerment over this event, uh, uh, you know, where he refuses to be a victim. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that movie. I I really want to see. We're connected on. I'm connected with him on Facebook, so I see him when he posts stuff about it, about the movie. I go, oh, I want to see it. And I go, I've seen the trailers for it, but I, I didn't know. It's very powerful. It's it, and like I said, and it's completely gold plate. Where one second you're laughing hysterically, and then you're, you move to like stunned silence, and then like, complete reflection. You know, it's 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 a it's. It's really well done. He's a great filmmaker. See, I didn't even know that Bobcat was part of the Boston comedy scene. That's how ignorant yeah, I am. He, I didn't even know he was until I saw the 
documentary. Uh, when stand up stood out. When stand up yeah. stood out. Um, and then I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know Paula Poundstone was oh, from yeah. Boston. Well, you know, this, the, early on, and again, not talking out of school, it was very tough for women, and, and Paula left very early. I mean, she was part of the scene, but she left very early. Did she go to L.A.? She went to New York originally, and then to L.A., yeah. and it was the, the only way, you know, she was going to get on stage and, and, and further her career. You know, she knew what she was doing and what she wanted to do in Boston, wasn't the place for for doing that, you know. She was she was the first one of the well, Lucille Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. probably the first for me, but right. like for a stand-up comic, right? Paula Poundstone well, was the first where I where I went, holy shit, yeah. she's brilliant. She's, she, it's, she's just she's and, and really that way to this day. I mean, she, you know, she's still one of the funniest people. I hear her a lot on, uh, there's an NPR show. Huge fan. Wait. Uh, uh, yeah, wait, wait, wait don't wait, tell wait, me. Wait, yeah, wait, I, I hear her on that all huge, the time. Huge fan. Yeah. yeah. And, and Goldthwait's been doing a couple of those, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he's, he guested one day, and then they had him back as a panelist. See, that's the be- that's the you got to have stand-ups do stuff like that. Yeah. where the, People that are, their whole job is to think fast on their feet. And to be funny about how they think fast on their feet. Right. That's those are the kind of people they need for shows like right. that. And there, you know, there were a lot of comics who were very funny on stage. Right. Don't and they, have it doesn't transfer. It doesn't right. They don't have the ability. You know, they they say what they say and it's funny. And in the inverse of that, there's a lot of funny people that are funny amongst oh. friends. Oh. But you put them on stage and oh. they can't. They Literally. can't. Replicate that. Yeah. That's the toughest thing. Yeah, that was the toughest thing for me to understand as a comic, is because I go, okay, I'm a funny person. Right. I make my friends laugh. I get up on stage, and that's a whole different oh, animal. Di- a it's a different, different animal. You have to, you have to make, you have to develop uh, some trust before well, anything happens. Right. They have to, you have to let them know who you are a little bit and right. become a little bit vulnerable, and then and, and you know have the confidence to. To go like these are complete strangers, you know what I mean? And yeah. You gotta you gotta get that your personality and you know your command of the room out immediately, so people relax. Because there's nothing worse than when someone feels bad for the comic. <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah. In, in, you know, as a comic, you love to watch a train wreck. Yeah. But when you're experiencing it, it's not fun at all. You know. Let me tell you the first comedy show that everyone. I'm sorry, I don't mean to, uh, but it just popped into my brain. First comedy show I ever went to, it was at Nick's, mm-hmm. and it was uh, the opener was um, shit, uh, not Jim David. What's a uh, Larry? No, not Larry not David. Larry. No, there, his last name there is, is David. a Jim, Jim David. No, it's not uh, Jim. You know the guy. He's been around forever and ever and ever. Oh, John David. John David. John David. So it was John David. Yeah, wiry hair. Yeah, yeah. Real so John energy. David. Yeah. John David opened. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Dane Cook middled. Yeah. And Noxie was the headliner. Oh my god! That was my first comedy oh show I ever went to. That is a that's a ball of energy. And it was fucking. Show. I yeah. went. Holy shit! Yeah. That was a show, man. And it was way before Cook was yeah. famous at all. Nobody yeah. knew who he was. No, no. He's middling. He's yeah. middling. At He's Knicks, the middle guy, right? You know. Right. So, but he came out and did this fucking dinosaur thing, right, and right. then and then Noxie came out and just murdered the whole thing. There, you there know? Was, yeah, there's uh, 
there, there was, you know, there's, for a club comic, there was no one better than Kevin Knox. Yeah. He had one speed, he had a fastball, and he threw it every night. Yeah. You know, uh, there was no, you know, there was no doubt of who he was on stage. And he was a hard sell for me. You know, we became really good friends. But at first, you know, I'm pretty particular about what I think comedy is. You know, and I think yeah. we all do. And, you know, some of his his thought process didn't jive with mine. So I was a little bit snobbish about it. Yeah. But then as I got to know him and, and understood that's who he was, I went like, well, this guy's... You know, this is the real deal. It's from the heart. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's how I judge yeah, There's it. no pretense. No, there's no, no pretense, pretense to that guy at all. If he was thinking What you it, saw is what you got for 100%. If he was 100%. thinking it, he was saying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that courage is, is you know, unparalleled. It's, it's amazing, you know? Now, there's, they alluded to something. Now, I just the, the thought went off in my brain. But they alluded to something in the documentary right. about, was, was it you and him? Had somebody cornered that was stealing jokes? Oh, I was the the night, uh, there was a young kid, yeah, uh, there was a young kid who was, uh, you know, being accused of stealing Nazi's jokes. Yeah. And we were at the Comedy Connection when it was in Faneuil Hall, and uh, he, uh, it was his night, he was hosting, Noxie was hosting, and he cornered this kid, I won't use his name. And Is he, he still around? He's, well, he's probably still stealing jokes in uh, in Las Vegas, which is, I believe, where he ended up. Okay. You know, so, and the business doesn't care. You can, t- you can tell me after the show, yeah, though. I want to know yeah, who he is, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but it was the funniest thing ever because he, he admitted it. I mean, he goes, you know, well, I, you know, it, it works and, you know, what do you want me to do? You're not in the room, but, you know, so, so Kevin was actually slapping him around. And then he would go back up on stage and host. They go, keep him here. And we locked him in the green room. The kid couldn't get out. Kevin would go up and crush for five minutes, bring on the next act, come back into the room, start slapping the kid again. <laughs> that so is the was, fucking it, best story. It, it was like he was veal. You know what I mean? We just kept him in, the, in this room. And Kevin would come in and scream at him and, he, he, you know, slap him around a little bit. That guy must have been shitting left, his pants. Yeah, the kid left town shortly thereafter, you know. And then we heard about him in Vegas, you know, still doing everybody's. You know, it was like a greatest hits from Boston, uh. you know. But back, you know, because back then, and Barry Crimmins had a lot to do with this, you know, it's a self-policing business. You know, right. You know, we're the only ones who care about you know, you stealing. The audience doesn't care. They just react to what's being said on, on stage. So if you don't police yourself, you know, you don't get policed. Yeah. You know, so back in the day, if you had, if you had, you know, uh, anything that resembled someone else's act, you'd be called on it. You know, yeah. you know, Lenny does that, or, you know, he does that, or that's that guy's joke. And then you'd, you'd, you'd never do that joke again, or you wouldn't get on stage, you know. But in there's a there's a whole other side to that too though, where people go too overboard, like oh he's doing midgets, right right. Well, I well, do midgets. Right. Well, I say like, hello. Yeah, I say hello. <laughs> right, right. He's doing he's doing something about the oxygen. Mean, right. What do you mean how you people are doing? Right. There's a, I swear to God there's a guy and I won't say his name because he's a he's a really good guy, but he. Uh, well, he's had some very outlandish claims. He's had some very outlandish claims. 
he claimed he claims that he, he opened up and he this he's he's an open mic comic. Right. Um, but he re, he, he he claims he opened up for Chris Rock once. Right. And then he saw Chris Rock a year later do his do his do his, right. his stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he actually had a lawsuit for the he said he wrote the Blues Brothers 2000. And he actually, supposedly, actually, I, I talked to people that said they saw the paperwork where he got sued them and got some sort of settlement, settlement right. for Blues Brothers. So there's this weird, like, right. there's this weird, like, some truth to right, it. So, right. you're, you're like, so you can't you're like, dismiss well, him. You're like, maybe, because he has, there's a right. few things that are, like, right. that are funny. Wait, listen, it, it ha- yeah, I mean, it happens. You know what I but mean? It's, but it's a, con- but it's, you know, you know it's got to be bullshit because he, because I used that example, Midgets. Right. Because he had a midget yeah, joke, a midget joke right. and someone did a midget joke that has nothing to do with what well, he did, and he wasn't even there. Right. He wasn't there that night. It was a, this is an open mic, and he I got a call from him like the next day. He goes, "Here's somebody's fucking doing midget shit at your show." I go, "What?" He goes, "Fucking guys doing midget shit? What the fuck, man?" Right. I go, "Dude, it was <laughs> what wasn't f- even." It wasn't even, and then he had like a whole like diatribe on right. Facebook where he was all bent out of shape about it. And yeah, no, it's, it's but like, he's the guy's he lives in Oregon now. He's mining for gold. He's like a gold miner. He doesn't do stand up anymore. But wow, uh, oh, something more secure than stand up. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you could oh. find something more secure than <laughs> yeah. stand up, that's a, well. I mean, that's that's why you try to make your act as personal as you can, in my estimation. So that, you know, I mean, you know, you're going to talk about wives, you're going to talk about girlfriends, you're going to, you know, whatever you do. But if it's personal to you, it'll still, you know, it'll still work. You know, I've gone on after guys that have done jokes of mine almost word for word. And I'd go up after them and go, look, this is the way the joke's supposed to be done. And I would do it and it would, it would kill <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's the ultimate justice, right, though. Right, right. That's the ultimate justice right, if right. they get a little bit of a laugh and then right. you go and do it and yeah, then murder it. Murder it, it. right. Yeah. That's, the, that's the way you tell This is the way it should be done. And, and they get called out at the same oh, yeah, time. At the same by, the, by the way, this asshole took this from right, me. Right, right. Without saying anything, you know, this, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, that's but I funny. mean, it's, Conan's going through it now. There's some kids suing Conan O'Brien. Saying that he lifted jokes off of his, you know. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, off of Twitter or something. Something like that, you know, which is which is absurd, especially if it's topical. You know what I mean? If you put ten guys in a room, say, you know, write me a Bruce Jenner joke or a Caitlyn Jenner joke, you're going to have very similar jokes. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot lot of cross pollination there. There's a lot of lot of uh, unison thought going under that stuff. Keep your head about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. my my thing is, you know, if it doesn't affect what I'm doing, you know, you got to pick your fights. You'd, you'd have a beef every day, you know. Was have you have you seen the show at midnight? No. It's Chris. You know who Chris Hardwick is? Yes, the, the comic. Yeah. And he he's got this Nerdist podcast, and he does all of the he does the Talking Dead. Uh, oh, right. The, so the 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 Walking Dead show, he does the Talking Dead, mm-hmm. the where they talk about it. He did the he did the one about. Uh, uh, about uh, oh, there was another one uh, I can't remember what the hell it was. Right. It was another. Oh, Talking Bad. So the Breaking oh, Bad Breaking show. Bad, he did, so he did he the Talking was, Bad. Right, so right. It, was a, it was a show talking about the. Anyways, he has all these different shows. But he has a show called At Midnight right. on uh, on Comedy Central, and it's a panel show. It's three comics. Right. It's all. It's really good. It's really funny, and they they 
it's just the, you know, it's, you can tell some of it they had done beforehand, right, right. but uh, there's a lot of it that you, they have to come up with on the spot. Right. Um, but there's, there's one part of it that's called hashtag wars. And so they come up with these, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say, uh, I, I can't even think of a freaking example of any of it because I haven't watched the show in right. a while, but they'll come up with a, you know, like a, like a, uh, like sad, uh, ah, I can't even think of a goddamn example of right. how terrible I am, right. but, but doesn't matter. But so, I, so it, the, the gist of it is they would, uh, they're asking the people that are watching the show to come up with funny things in this vein of how they're doing it. Right. And so you go on Twitter and I come up with an idea and I go, that's really funny. But then you can search Twitter. And you can see if somebody else put right. it already. So if somebody else put it already, a lot of times I come up with an idea that sounds completely, I'm like, that is so original. So, uh, right. so like that's just so unique right. and original. They can't have done it. And I go up there and I go, fuck, right. somebody came up with that. Yeah. You know, they'll but, do like, they'll do like, uh, you know, they'll do like, uh, you know, horror movies with, you know, Star Wars characters. Right, right. It's just, I can't even think of a good right, example right. of anything, right. you know. They'll, sell, they'll, you, they'll, they'll, go, they'll, go, they'll go songs, uh, uh, like poop songs. So, right. so, you have to, so you have to take, uh, you know, like a song like Groove is in the Heart. They'll go Groove is in the Fart. Right, right, you know, right, it's right. a poop song. Right, right. So everyone would go hashtag Groove is in the Fart. Right, right. So there's all these different. And then you'd write a, a riff off of that. No, that, that, was just, that, that would was be it. the whole thing. That would be the whole thing. Groove right. is in the Fart. Right. You know, the idea would be write songs about poop. poop. So <laughs> poop songs. So Groove is in the Fart. Or, uh, you know, uh, you know. Right. I love Pooh Madly. I love, you know, or whatever. I don't know right, what it is. Right, right. But you'd, you'd come up with these song titles that you, that have the shit in them. Right. And then you'd write them out and you'd think it's the most brilliant thing ever. And, and then, then you, you go, there's like nine people that have already done, done it. it. Right. So there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot, a lot of, of similar yeah. thought going on. Well, you know, early on when, when, you know, there was the comedy channel before it merged with, there was a, there were two comedy channels and then it became Comedy Central. But they would have, like during the day, they would, you know, they would do, they would just show clips before they had original uh, programming. And they would do, like, all right, you know, airplane jokes. And then there'd be, you know, six guys in a row doing airplane jokes. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I don't remember and that. it would be like, you know, to the, I think Marin might have even hosted it at, at Mark Marin might have hosted it at one point. And, uh, uh, you know, and then it'd be, you know, mother in laws. And then it'd be, you know, huh. six guys doing mother-in-law jokes and whatever. But, you know, so so it, it's pretty universal. And, and there's so many comedians now that you're going to have, you know, crossover and some, especially with topical stuff. Especially with topical to- stuff. Especially with topical, especially with topical stuff. stuff. Because you have, it's, everybody's, it's right now and everybody's it, trying to do it all at right, once. Exactly. There's only so many, you know, there's only so many ways to come right. at it. I, the, the, the problem I have with those things is, you know, when just the, the, like, you know, when Bill Cosby just becomes the punchline. There's no joke. It's just you're because right. you're saying it. Or, you know, how about that Caitlyn Jenner? Ah, you know, yeah. you know, and there's nothing, there's, there's no, no meat. joke attached yeah, there's to no it. There's no meat just, to it. It's just because people are hearing it and you said it. And it's the, you know, it's the, the comedy of remembrance, you know. Hey, remember that game, you know, Monopoly? Yeah, I do. Hey, remember you okay. had a shoe? Yeah, I do. And then you'd move it around the board. Uh huh. Where's the joke? You know, yeah. you know. There's got to be more to it than just yeah. the, the you just reference. Swing your arms around right, right. and, and yeah, pace back yeah, and forth, yeah. pace back and forth across remember, the stage. Remember, remember. remember? remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, so, so but that's those wars have been going on forever. You know, we all had beefs with guys, and you know, you you got is like I said, if it doesn't interfere with me putting food on my kids' table, then you know, I'm I'm fine with what you do. You know, have you ever had anyone that? What was the what was the worst uh, offender that you had of somebody that stole your jokes? Like, you ever had anybody that had, did like a whole? Oh set yeah, of yours? I had uh, you know, and again, I put it behind me. I I've had beefs with good friends who you know would get in a jam and then do your do like your bits word for word, and then huh. you know you'd hear about it. And like I said, you know, you put that in the past. I don't again. I won't name names, but I had a very good friend who you know we had a. You know, a, a beef for years over stuff, and huh. and uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when we're not recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you had a beef, so they didn't cop to it. No, or they were no, pissed off about no, it. No, but then went on to become so was very a, famous. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard. I, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about because uh, there was a lot of people that the yeah the, yeah the, yeah. yeah. Uh, but as I say, it's in the past, you know, I I lived very, my act very simply. And, you know, the only one who was eating it up was me. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, you, you know, you put it behind you and, you and you move on, you know. Well, if it's the same person I'm thinking of, he was on, he did an episode of Louie and was, was kind of. Get called out on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I, well, I thought that was ballsy of him to come on and kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah, a lot of. Listen, you know, you could go over things, you know, like now people will come to me, hey, this guy's doing that bit. And I go, okay, you know, what do you, yeah, whatever. What, what do you want me to do about it, you know? You yeah, know? well, you're established now. Right. You have, you're, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to matter to you. It doesn't right. affect you. And here's the other, here's the other thing. It makes you write more. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like if you go, well, okay, I can't use that, you know. I, I had it happen to me where, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, I was doing a joke at the time. It was, uh, and I did it on Conan. I think my first Conan. It was like, you know, I went to the DMV. <clears throat> they asked me if I wanted to become an organ donor. I said, sure, but not mine. I'll get you what you need. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good joke. <laughs> and, you know, I had a guy like years, two or three years later go, you know, see me do the joke on stage and go, that's my joke. And then I literally had to play him my Conan set. And go, I did this on Conan, you know, two years ago. You know, th- th- here it is. This is me doing it before I even saw you. Huh. You know, and, you know, so... so well, sometimes, you too, you can, your brain can trick you. Yeah. You can hear something, and maybe you maybe you come up with a punch-up to... Right. To that joke, you, you come up with a, with a you know a, a callback or an right. add-on or something well, to that joke, right. and you go, and then and then your brain stuffs it in there, right, and you right. don't think about it and for six months, yeah. and then you go, and then it comes in like it's an original like thought, it, like it, yeah. Because I've seen comics do that before, and, and I go, I go, hey, uh, you know, dude, you know, yeah, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to shit on you, but dude has a joke just like okay. that, yeah. and he's been doing it for years, right. Uh, I said, here's right, the joke, a, here's the joke. And they go, oh, that is really close. Right. But it doesn't usually stop them from doing the joke. No, no, no. They still, they still, a lot of times still usually do it, but. Right. But, you know, but look at there, you know, people, 
like I said, it's not up to the audiences to decide. It's it's up to the us. We're the only ones, you know, who police that or you, you can care about it and let it eat you up. Or like I said, write a new joke. It's you know, you know, it's the, it's that simple. So, uh, you know, you can you can dwell on shit for fucking years and just have it eat you up. Yeah. You know. And it does it does no good because people go on and do very well for themselves. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, I straddle two worlds. I'm a musician and a comic. Right. And if I write a song, and a friend of mine does it, it's like the ultimate compliment. Of course. You know, it's like it's like I go, hey, I did whatever at the you know at right. the show the other day. I go, wow. wow. How'd that's it go? Such a, yeah. How'd it go? <laughs> how'd it go? Right. It's such a compliment, right. and it's so funny to see. You know, I mean, I didn't, when I came into comedy, I didn't understand that it was such an issue. The very first show that I ever did, I host an open mic, which I still host today. I've been doing it for seven years, the same open mic. Right. Uh, that's where my career is going, by the way. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, look, if you're not going to hire you, who else is? Right. <laughs> so, so uh, seven years I've been doing this, uh, this open mic, and the very first night, this guy came on, he did a whole set. That was Mitch Hedberg. And I didn't know it was Mitch Hedberg, right, but right. I knew it sounded, sounded just like, like Mitch. Right. And I went up to him uh, after the show, and I go, I go, hey, uh, this is how naive I am. Right. I go, I go, uh, hey, you ever heard of Mitch Hedberg? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it's my favorite comic. comic. And right. I go, yeah, right. well, I, it's, it's, it, it's I, can, I can hear it because it, you sound, it sounds just like right. his stuff. The, the and there, but, but there was another comic at my very first night that was an established comic that had been around for a while. And he goes, no, that sounds like Mitch Hedberg. Because it's Cause it, fucking Mitch Hedberg. Hedberg right. It was all Hedberg stuff. Right, right. You know? Right. And I go, oh, okay. Uh, now I get it. Now right. I get it. You know, it's funny. My 17-year-old is dabbling. Uh, he's done a couple open mic nights and stuff. And, and his his favorite comic is uh, Mitch Hedberg. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, and I go, it's great to emulate, but don't be, you know, his cadence was even coming out a little bit Hedbergy. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. And I go, dude, you got to watch that because, you know, that. Well, he, that was 90% of his act oh was his God. cadence. Yeah. The way he, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, right. he almost sounded like a brother a little right, bit. Right, the right, way right, he talked right, a little bit. Right. He had that kind of, that, that, that swagger right, in his right, voice. Right, 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 yeah, you know. Yeah. I used to do drugs. Yeah. I still, I still do. do. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, but I used to, too. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's a fucking it's good a joke. a great joke, yeah. you know. Uh, and, you know. What about that escalator? An escalator is never broken. It just becomes a set of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> fucking great yeah, no, joke. He, he was, you know, he was, he was, he's great. You know, um, but you know, you you know, you take bits and pieces of it. You know, my, uh, you know, my comedy roots go back to, you know, because you know I'm 62 or whatever. My comedy roots go back to like. You know the March Brothers and W.C. Fields yeah, and, yeah. and you know those guys and and the old Borschbelt guys and you, you you know you can't get away with that but that's what the humor I sort of you know loved and, and broke in on I I just think you know standing at a mic telling using your words is the way it should be done you know these people who jump around and you know doing sound effects and all of that that's you know it's valid. You know, but it's not what I, that's not what I think the craft is. One of the things that I really appreciated that I've noticed on the show just now, you never even took the mic out of the stand. Stayed in the stand the whole time. It never came out of the stand, and it was all about, 
It was all about what you had to say. There right. was no other. Yeah, there's no antics. Yeah, yeah, there's right. no antics, right. no antics at all. Yeah, which I'm, I love physical comedy. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up on the Stooges, so yeah, oh yeah, you know, big fan. I, I I I love physical yeah. stuff, and yeah. I you know, I, you know when. I'm not against it. It's just not what I do. What I think, you know, my my humor is. You know what I mean? I think it's, you know, I like the spoken word. I like the fact that you're painting the pictures, you know, with your verbally rather than you know acting it out. Yeah. You know, as I get older, I become to appreciate that a lot oh, it's, more. It's, oh, it's you know much less draining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much less draining. Yeah. Well, know? we. we I, I hope that as we get older, we become more cerebral and tend to use our yeah, brains yeah, more, and so right. we start to appreciate the things right. that are, you know, right. you have to use your brain more for. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think you know, and, and the, the the trick I think is to get the audience to come into your world. You know what I mean? They've seen, you know, A and B, and I'm C. This is the this is the way I do it, and you give them a minute to come into. You know, sometimes it takes. You know, especially on, on a, a live show, it you know it takes a you know a minute for them to come into your world, and some guys will panic. Oh, they're not laughing right away. It's like you know, give them time. Don't go to them. Let them come to you, and and you know it usually works out. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, you have to stretch as a human. You know, uh, and and point out the you know the absurdities that that you believe. And that's what I think translates to the audience. And it's, you know, the only way I can liken it to is, you know, I don't know why this has stuck up my ass for the last day and a half, but, you know, I saw Elvis Costello open for Steely Dan. Yeah, we were and talking about head, this earlier. And in my head, that's just wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're both valid, but... You yeah, know, it's like Led Zeppelin opening up for the Bee Gees. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it, there's something the orders in the world has been thrown out of whack. You yeah, know? yeah. But you know, I don't make those decisions. And then you know, you see Elvis Costello with his, you know, four piece band put out more music than you know the Steely Dan does with you know three backup singers and a horn section and the three guitarists and the piano and the. You know, but but the songs are more recognizable, and that's what people want. You know. Well, they were just like a recording band when they started. Yeah, they were studio I, They were just studio guys, and they didn't and tour bluesy, at all. It's bluesy and, and more jazzy than yeah. You know, and that's just not my. I mean, like I said, I stayed for. They were great. You know what I mean? It was a great concert, but but in my head, like I go, this is wrong. It's Elvis Costello, man. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And there's no, but in our business and entertainment in general, there's no rhyme or reason. You get what you get, you know. That's for sure. And if you're the opening act, you do the best you, you know, you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's great. Still doesn't sit well with me or my son. We were, yeah. We will live it. <laughs> well, it's like I was telling you, I, I went to the Wilbur a, a couple of years ago to go see Robert Cray, who I assumed was the headliner. Right. And it was, it was Robert Cray and Kenny Wayne Shepard, and I was... So excited to find out I didn't have to sit through Kenny Wake <laughs> Shepard to watch Robert Cray. I, he went on first and just laid waste to the place. I mean, he went, oh, I'm opening? Oh, all right. Well, deal with this then, fucker. Right, right. This is the way it because should be I, done. Like I said, I've, I've seen him probably eight times I've seen Cray. And yeah. He always puts on a good show. Yeah. But he's never, you know... He's he paces himself. Yeah, it's not a. But this show just was just fucking off the wall. Yeah. He just tore it off. He went, oh, I'm open for Kenny Wayne Shepherd, huh? <laughs> all right, well, suck this. We and all he, got egos, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but in and you know it, it's you you push yourself. You do what you know you do to survive. I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been that way for you know thirty something years for me. So, uh, and it, and it it you know still seems to work. You yeah. know what I mean? And as long as you know, in my head, as long as your last joke is your funniest, you're on the right track. Or you know, know, is equally funny to anything you've done. Um, you know, I think you're doing okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. I, I can't. I'm not for sure, but I would venture to say that pretty much most of what you did tonight was was fairly new stuff. Uh, I would say it was about it was about uh, uh, you know seventy thirty new stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, because you were talking about stuff that was that's you know now, yeah. that's present, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything I talk about, you know, I, 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 you know, my opening is pretty standard. You know, I think that sets my sets my, the tone. The tone. Yeah, yeah. You know, excuse my appearance, whatever, and then yeah, yeah. you know the pillow bit I've been doing for a while, but you know that's a crowd pleaser, and I and I I enjoy it, and then the the part of that is as new as you know the mattress stuff after that, so that. That lends new, you know, new weight to what I've been doing for a while. Yeah, so yeah. It, it gets you excited again. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was laughing my ass well, off thanks, back there man. for it, sure. It, I, the, the venue was great, and you know, you know, at the root of it, I still like I still like the craft. I mean, I think, you know, I I think stand up comedy is a, is a very valid art form. You know, you know. I agree. Some, some people use it as a, you know, a stepping stone or a tool or. You know, it's like they do crowd pleasing stuff, but you know, you got to live with yourself and you do what you do. You know. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's see. We're... Yeah, we still got a few more Let's minutes. Keep going. Yeah, we still got a few more minutes here. Um, I got this much cigar I got, left. Oh, nice. I got well, you've been working cigar. that fucking nub since I got here. I got, I got some. Fair, I think you can get a whole other day out of that fucking thing. This is thing. when they get tasty down the end. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that poor thing is. <laughs> oh, which lived its purpose. <laughs> that's, that's right. I tell people. It doesn't owe you, it doesn't owe you anything. Right, no. I think it doesn't owe you if anything. You don't smoke them down to the end, they don't live their life. Right. Uh, oh, I wanted to talk about, uh, so Jim Bishop opened up the night tonight, and he he's only been doing comedy for a couple, two, three years. And, uh, no, it's, it's been at least two because I've been over it. I've moved the, my open mic two years ago, and he was one of the guys that came over with me and didn't. Uh, didn't go to the other one, um, but he, the very first time he went on stage, he was funny, and it was like, what the fuck? Right. It was one of those things like you know you get I get a lot being an open mic you get a lot of first time guys so right. so people come up to me and they go, hey man I'm getting ready to go up for the first time do you have any advice for me and I go look here's my advice you're gonna suck. <laughs> Right. Just to, you're gonna eat big fucking piles <laughs> of shit. You're gonna fucking fall on your dick, right. and it's gonna be terrible. Just know that, and then you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah. You're gonna have to do that for a while. It's gonna take a while. It takes a long while. But he was for the fir- fucking first time on stage. He was funny, and it was the, the open mic that I hold as a contest. Right. The second time he went on stage, he won it. Which has never, had never, I've never done it for me, for my right. contest. It, it never happened, but he was the funniest guy there that night, you know? Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, look, his, also, when, when I started, we had, you know, especially in Boston, it was, it was very insular. 
So we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have idols. You know what I mean? We didn't have anybody. Now, but, you know, when you think that, the, you know, the comedy boom in the country started in the 80s, now young people, you know, have something, there's a lineage, there's something to look You're right. back on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We had nothing to start with. Yeah. You know, these people have seen comedy, and comedy's become like a business. You know, when we did it, we would just, you know, we just wanted to, you know, stay out, tell jokes, and, you know, drink and get high. That, you yeah, know, yeah. That's sort of what the, the incentive was, you know, living this rogue lifestyle, uh, so we thought. You know, and now it's a business. Emerson College has, like, you can you can major in comedy now. That's nuts. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's so crazy. You know, Eugene Merman, uh, who's, a, you know, very funny, a, yeah, yeah. a good man. I just he, watched a special, special last night, actually, uh, the vegan on his way to the complaint store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking great title, huh? Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> but he wrote his own, he went to Hampshire College and majored in comedy. He he wrote his own oh, program. Shit. Yes. He knew what he wanted to do from the get-go, you know. We just stumbled into it, and then it became a business around us, and when people started making money and getting famous and stuff, we said, well... We better start paying attention to this. But yeah. now it's like a vibe. And it's, look, it's just every bit as stable as anything else now. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that freaked me out. Like, you know, in two, in uh, 2008 when everyone was panicking with the crash and stuff, I just. Like, fuck, people still want to laugh. Yeah, I'm doing right, fine. Right. People want to laugh when they're miserable. <laughs> people want to laugh when they're happy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, you know, the corporate stuff went away a little bit and, you know, hustle a little bit more in the clubs and whatever. But, you know, I'm, we're used to the hustle because it's the same with music. You know, the job of your job is getting the next gig. Yeah. You know, if you know what you're doing on stage, that's not the hard part. Yeah. That's actually, you know, that time you're on stage, is, you know, it's a, that's a little vacation from the rest of the world. It's the, you know, hustling the next gig and stuff. You know? Yeah. And now there's I so see, many I see platforms. A lot of... There's so many. Yeah. You know, uh Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, but that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, podcasts are huge, and now, you know, streaming, and, you know, when we started, like, you know, a bunch of us went, ah, cable's never going to let, you know, it's like that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> cable, <laughs> no. That's you know, fucking you great. Know, like you, you know, <laughs> Those morons. Horseless carriage, <laughs> never going never gonna to sell. I'm a blacksmith, and that's what I do. You know? But, you know. If you don't, if you don't evolve, it'll leave you behind. These you know? dummies in their fire. <laughs> right. There had to be that time. You know what I mean? Look at no, them. They're going to burn walking, themselves. Look at them walking erect. Where, where, where's that going to get them? Right. <laughs> you know? The wheel. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. We lug logs up a hill the way we've always That's done it on our shoulders. <laughs> I see. I. You, when you say that about that's where the real job is, is in the hustle, it's, I see some really talented comics that don't have that hustle and could do huge things if they had that in their brain. Right, right. But they don't have that hustle in their brain. They just like, they're just like, oh, I just want to go on stage and make Tell people laugh. Kids. Right. Yeah, but you're fucking really funny, funny. dude. Right. I've seen literally thousands of comics come through. You know, an open mic is like a fucking petri oh, dish. Of course, oh, you know, you see everything. so you see everything. Right, right. I've seen thousands of comics come through here. Right. You know, and we've had—I mean, we've had other comics that just have incredible work at. Do you know Matt D at all? Oh, sure. So Matt D got his start on 
my stage. And he used to come there every Wednesday night. Yeah. Come there every Wednesday night. And he started off, and he was, frankly, not very funny. Right. He's well, he fucking was very, brilliant. He was, right. He was very introverted, too. Yeah. Well, that was, his, that was really his thing. character, but, too. But it almost to a point where there was a wall between him and the audience. Yeah. Like where he would almost contort himself to look down at the mic. Well, that's what he did. He looked yeah, at his right, feet the right, whole time. Right, he looked right. at his feet. He never. Right. I mean, his, he's he's really come out of his shell right, a lot. And lived, he's out in L.A. Right. now, and so well, he's, he's doing great now. He's he's really doing yeah. well. He he did the you know the uh, what's the Jonathan Katz show the not I want to call it the Bang Bus, but that's a porno site. The, <laughs> this uh, Jonathan Katz has a new cartoon out. Uh, something Bus. Something. Oh right, right. Something bust. He was, he did that. Um, you know, he was on Conan just yeah, a little yeah. while yeah, ago. Yeah, I think he's working on um, his next Conan set. He's he's been around Boston and stuff. Do you know Jenny Zagrino too? I do. She's I do, fucking yeah. brilliant, yeah. man. She's yeah. one of the funniest yeah. chicks around. Yeah, she came through briefly, and you know, when when young people ask me my best advice, I say get out of here. Go go where this can do you some good. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know what I mean? You know, I I took my shot. I had my day, and then. You know, started having kids and stuff and decided I wanted to raise them back home, you know, and decided to, you know, to, to stop chasing whatever, it, you know, whatever it was that would make you a megastar and just enjoy doing what I do. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a hustle. As we say, it's a hustle. But, you know, I don't mind it. I was very excited to, when I turned on the last season of Louie to, to see you on there. That was a... Because uh, I, oh, yeah. I had, because I had no idea. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were right. had done, had gone and done it or anything. I just went. I, I yelled at my wife and the other one. I go, "Fucking Tony V! <laughs> this fucking Tony V is on Louie." I, I have to say that probably the the phrase most uttered about me is exactly that. People will be watching something and go, "That's fucking Tony." <laughs> and and the 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 Louis story. The the way I got that was my son was actually auditioning to play the young Louie. Oh. Uh, we went into Boston casting. I took him over. It was one of his first, uh, you know, he, he's been acting in plays. My wife runs a theater in Charlestown, Charlestown Working Theater. And he's been on stage his whole life. He writes plays now. And, yeah. and stuff. He's, he's very funny. But he goes, Dad, I want to try to audition for the, you know, he caught wind that there was this audition. And I said, yeah. I go, you know, you... You know, just keep in mind you're not going to get everything. Probably not your first thing, but yeah, I'll, go, I'll take you over. And I went. And he was with other kids, and he got several callbacks. You know, I think he was just too old to. You know, when you see who they picked to play Louis. Yeah, he was young. Louis. He was yeah, like young, eleven or yeah, something. Yeah. And my son was, I think, you know, fifteen or sixteen at the time. Okay. Yeah. And he had a good audition. Like I said, they they called him back a couple of times, and I was at the. You know, I audition over there all the time. And I was sitting there, and they go, you know, we got there's a role in Louie. We don't think you're exactly right for it, but, you know, do you want to give it a shot? And I go, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm here, you know, with my son. And uh, so I read it, and they had the New York casting director. It was at the end of the day, and I, I swore this woman hated me. You know, I mean, she didn't, there was no, you know, she chuckled a couple of times and whatever, and I walked out. And I go, well, yeah, they're right. I'm not right for that. And then so, like, two weeks later, I see that the caller ID comes up, and I go, ah, oh, dude, I think you got the show to my son. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. And I'm it up, and I'm going, yeah? Really? Wow, 
wow, that's that's a stop, you know. And and he goes, did I get the job? I go, no, I did. And he goes, you fucking asshole. <laughs> and that's I know, so funny. Yeah. I I did. I would have never thought that was the case. Yeah. I just assumed that you knew Louie from him being well, in Boston. And I thought, I said, oh, he just Louie just called him up one day and said, hey, man, you want to be no, on the show? No, not at all. Uh. And so so I didn't. So when they told me, I go, really? And they said, yeah. And and this is how it happened. They were. You know, the New York casting director, in fact, did like me. And, you know, she showed Louie three or four people, and I was second or third on the loop. And he said he was watching it for about four seconds, and he literally looked at it, and he goes, it's fucking Tony. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, Tony B. The phrase uttered about about you the most. (laughs) It's it's fucking Tony. And she goes, yeah, I thought he was, you know, he did a little, he he goes, yeah, call him. And then, you know, and, and that's how it happened. Oh, that's cool. And Stephen Wright was, is uh, a consultant on Louis' show. Oh, yeah? So when I, we were down in New York film, filming it or whatever you do digitally now, um, uh, you know, Stephen was there. And I've known Stephen, you know, since the day I started doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, it was, it, it, you know, it was. it's weird to be directed by an, an old buddy of yours, too. You're right. Yeah, you know, like. You okay with that? Is it, <laughs> no, no, we're doing fine. We're you know we're all good. You know, so it was it, it was good. Yeah, it was good work. Well, Tony, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here, man. Right, I, I got to tell you, this has been one of my favorite podcasts I've oh, done. Oh, thanks. Is, it was it was, it was it, a lot easy, of fun. Easy talking here, and then I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, yeah. I'm really really psyched. You I sat, hope I get to sat see out it. here on the porch, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Like people driving by us are going, "What, what are those networks doing?" Well, I, I'm curious to hear the audio later because there was a whole, there was a crew for the first 45 minutes of it. There was a, there were people right in the parking lot just like having they a yelling were, they contest. Were a party. So I, I don't know. I wonder how bad it's going to come I over, think but, it'll be fine. but uh, it'll be interesting to hear it in the background over the top of the, uh, of the podcast and right. the cars going by and well, they'll know, you know it's real. greeting people as they're leaving. We were actually, we were still talking to people as they were going by. I, I was saying goodbye to people like I was on the show. I was like, thank you. Thank you for coming out. Nice, nice, yeah, thank, thank you for coming out. Nice to see you again. Well, but, it was great, man. It was, it was easy and a lot of fun. So, All right, Tony. Thanks a lot. The Ridiculous Nicholas Podcast. I'm going to say it's episode nine. We'll see how that works. See you next time. Once again, this episode of the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Pizza 911. What is your pizza emergency? Voted best pizza in Manchester by the Hippo Press. If you mention you heard about Pizza 911 on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you some free breadsticks. Their phone number is 603-625-2201. Call them up and order some food right now. Also, we are brought to you by Team Link. Team Link hooks at New Hampshire. Uh, if you want to go train somewhere where there's a lot of really knowledgeable people and not a lot of meatheads that are going to try and hurt you, um, go check out Team Link of Hookset. Um, if you mention that you heard about them on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you three, 30 free days, not three, 30 free days of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, whatever it is that you want to study. And they'll also give you a free t-shirt. 
So head on down there and look for Ed Carr. He's the owner. He's a great guy, and he really knows his stuff. You can give them a call, too, at 603-641-3444. Thank you so much for listening to the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, and we'll see you next week.